Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Next One Up podcast. There is some news that came out today. We we're recording on a Monday. Gee, I don't know if you saw this, but it's fair to say that I think everyone has been blindsided. Um, but, um... <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> I did. I appreciate it. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, it um, it came out today, and like Carly said, we were blindsided. I think that's going to be the word of the hour um, by this news that apparently the the like the the adoption wasn't real. Yeah. So is so that it? That I don't. So there was a lot of things that came out today that uh-huh. the uh, award-winning film, The Blind Side. Uh, telling the story of off NFL offensive lineman, former NFL offensive lineman Michael Orr, which basically, de- I mean, for those who haven't seen it, but I'm sure everyone has. Like at this point, um, there's this like wealthy family that adopted him and gave him this great life, and you know he made it to the NFL and got drafted. And it's this very feel good story, right? And as you were saying, like there's a chance that the adoption was fake, and there's. Like the story's coming out that like the basically the center point of the story, which is Michael Orr, has been mm. trying to like restore the truth in the story, and he was saying that allegedly that he was like tricked into signing these papers, right? And, and it's like you know. As the story is developing, we'll obviously know more, but he was tricked to sign these papers that turned into being a conservatorship. Yeah. Um, that it wasn't actually an adoption. It was a conservatorship where by signing this document, it gave them, the conservators, um, the legal authority to make the business deals in his name. Right. Which, as we know, that movie made a bunch of money. There were a lot of royalties made off of it. Um, and what's coming out now is that he didn't get anything from right. that. He didn't get Allegedly. to see that money. Right. Yes. And so now he's trying, I think one to revoke the conservatorship. So yes. that way he's can be in control of his name, image and likeness. And then mm-hmm. also be paid what he deserves for right. those royalties. Right, which would be a lot of money over, like, you know, the many years that, you know, it, it ran and then, you 100%. know, all the, all, all the stuff that's been made off of it. I mean, that's a crazy story because <laughs> that movie, you know, Feel Good Movie, Sandra Bullock, yes. the whole thing, it, what is going on? I know. And it's like, nope, nope, nope no, not at all. all. Nope. It's all fake. What else is fake? Next, you know what? Everything's fake, Carly. <laughs> Can't Every trust the thing. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me Lord of the Rings is fake. That's why they have to... <laughs> uh, Um, Other thing that happened about an hour ago that I happened to break to G, which, love that for me, um, <laughs> about her own team, um, is that Ezekiel Elliott, the longtime cowboy, will be going to the Patriots. Can't wait to see his fully exposed torso in Foxborough. He did just get a haircut today. I saw that they were really like Adam Schefter even shared that that he got a nice like cut looks a little cleaner. Got rid of that the did Bill hair make and him stuff. Do that? And I didn't think about that. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's part of the physical. Maybe they were like it, it, it's too much. Bill's like we can't be having all of this. So he signed 
a one-year deal worth up to six million dollars mm-hmm. how the mighty have fallen yeah. um <laughs> but which i think is a perfectly fine deal for him and mm-hmm. what's going right, on right, right now um so i don't think it's a bad signing by the patriots currently on their depth chart they're starting running back as Ramondre stevenson who was a 2021 pick in the fourth mm-hmm. round who had a yeah. great season last year, One ran mm-hmm. for over a 1,000 yards, and maybe not so bad to, like, have a base back in the Eagle Elliott, yeah. see how he could be utilized. He's a power back, and, yeah. you know, toss you six mil, so not so bad. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's a good pickup, just as you're saying, to give like another option there. Yeah. I mean, we know he can't block, as we saw in that last game. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're gonna reshare that. Um, but I mean, it's a good pickup. We'll see what they do. I, I imagine that Bill will use him pretty efficiently. Um, it's relatively cheap um, for him. I would say Zeke's relatively cheap right now. So yeah. I'm excited to see how we use him throughout the year. Um, and I think it'll be a good a, a good pickup for Mac Jones, especially after everything that happened last year with a non-offensive coordinator. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, the non-offensive the offensive offensive coordinator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think anything is kind of an improvement for him at this point. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll be really helpful for him. And I, I think the hope is too as well, like bring, bringing in a veteran presence. Like mm-hmm. Zeke, we know has always had some sort of you know an attitude of an ego but maybe that's been shook a little bit through this experience of being in free agency Mm -hmm. which I think would benefit him and the team oh absolutely yeah no I didn't even think about that I forgot Mm -hmm. about his ego yeah proceeded in Ohio State yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, well you know you know what Bill does with that yeah them down and builds them back up and we'll send them to the Browns um (laughs) (laughs) hey uh speaking of other surprises today because we've just been getting hit right and left with breaking news bombs yeah um so carly broke the news about zeke which you know traffic after work how dare they but (laughs) what also was a surprise is i don't know if anyone heard what james harden's been saying um over the last few hours because being philly the city has a love-hate relationship with him, and, you know, we had this relationship where we thought he was going to leave uh, because he wanted a max deal, sure. but then we get this information that he was going to um, that he was going to opt in, and then maybe they were going to seek a trade, right? That ended up falling apart because today we hear that James Harden will never play for Daryl Morey and called him, quote, a liar, which I think is crazy. One, to come out and say it to the public, but to say it about someone that's been paid you and you're still under contract? Yes. You, you know what we did to Ben Simmons. <laughs> like, it, it's just crazy to me to hear this because you had, and I'll just go off on my soapbox for a second, so maybe I got to bring it back down a little bit for the fans at home. Um, can't see me getting too emotional. Um, the fact that he had the option to opt out and become a free agent and go literally wherever his beard desired, right? And he was like, no, I'm going to opt in. I'm going to opt in. I just, I'm, I am at a loss for words, Carly. So it's interesting because like you said, he decided to opt in, but now there's a report that 
the 76ers right are have ended the trade talks and they want right. to start the season with Harden which I guess is why he's mm-hmm. calling him a liar yes. um, maybe he was under the impression that if he opted he in he could get traded but right. here's the reality there's no guarantee there's never a guarantee exactly like, it, yeah yeah you, it's unless it's but it's you know it's not like specifically saying a contract oh if you opt in that's an automatic trade. That's not how this works. Right. Right. And remember, he wants a max deal. And James Harden at this stage in his career is no. not worth a max deal at that no. point. He's not. And he wanted it. And, you know, if Daryl Morey gave it to him in Philadelphia, I can tell you at least, you know, a thousand people that would be upset about it. Um, <laughs> very least. Um, just because the showing that he gave the last year, it does not equate to having a max contract. It also hinders, I believe, hindered the growth of Tyrese Maxey a little bit mm. because James Harden needs the ball in his hands all the time to, to, to facilitate different plays. Right. So I, I don't think it's a good I don't think it's a good choice for Philadelphia to keep him as like a key part of their offense moving forward. But it looks like if nothing can be reached or he can be traded um, and it seems like trade talks have ended, that mm. we're going to be stuck with him either riding the pines in street clothes or – you know, playing and looking like, you know, the James Harden that showed up in, what was it, Houston in the fat suit and looked <laughs> like a thousand, like not like all this, all like not, you know, excuse me. He showed up looking out of shape for the game and then forced his way out, ended up in Brooklyn and it looked like he walked to Brooklyn from Houston, showed up <laughs> in perfect shape. So I don't know. I think like you're saying, Carly, um, the trade talks have ended. Um, so we'll just see what happens. Philadelphia is waiting. I love that. With their, love with love this, this storyline, though. It's just, it's just so <laughs> so perfect for the Sixers right now. Like <laughs> it is. It is. Anyway, so and now he in the background agrees. He's very unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> Your dog is speaking for all of Philly at the moment with this yes, frustration. Um, <laughs> I want to discuss as our title topic today, athletes and gambling and the recent situations that have arose in multiple sports around athletes mm-hmm. and gambling. So the first thing that I want to talk about is Phil Mickelson. He is a golf pro, a very well-known golf pro who was one of the first to go from PGA to live when live started up on their tournaments. And that was obviously big talk of the town. Um, Recently there was a, a book that came out or there was an excerpt from golf digest that was speaking on this book Mm -hmm. called gambler secrets from a life at risk that talks about Mickelson's betting habits. And this is something that Mickelson has discussed publicly that right. He had had gambling issues in the past, but Mm -hmm. this specific excerpt was explaining that Mickelson had bet allegedly on the 2020 on the 2012 Ryder cup. Yes. And he mm-hmm. was on that team at the time. Yes. That's, that's a big no-no. You can't do that. And <laughs> it was a large sum of money. Yes. It's a very large sum of money. Especially when you, I mean, the, 
the number that came out, not just linked to the Ryder Cup incident, but in general, wagered over a one billion billion with a B billion. for all of you out there. Um, is an insane amount of money, one, to have accumulated at some point in your life, and then two, to have gambled away. Yes. It's, it's baffling to me. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I want to get the, I want to get the numbers right. So I'm looking at something here um, from ESPN saying that from 2010 to 2014, Mickelson made 858 bets of $220,000 and 1115 bets of $110,000. Mm-hmm. That is an insane amount of money yes for someone that is still allowed nowadays to play a professional sport yes i don't know the terms of betting in terms of pga i don't right i'm right. not an expert on that i don't really know what it was then what it is now it might have changed um mm-hmm. however to put what is they're saying in this in this book a bet of worth four hundred thousand dollars on a the Ryder Cup team that you were a part of. Yeah. That definitely doesn't seem like something you could do um, <laughs> according yeah. to the PGA. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what was it? Um, oh, my gosh. It's it, it's something that, you know, from a moral standpoint, you probably shouldn't do. And I think from a legal standpoint, you probably definitely shouldn't do. Again, maybe we'll have to get a little bit more detail on, um, you know, how betting and gambling works mm-hmm. in the PGA. Right. Um, but I just what, what was it? He was ta- he was talking to the um, the professional gambler that uh, Billy Walters that is uh, that's writing this book, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's a crazy quote where Walters even says to him, "Have you lost your effing mind?" <laughs> it, it's the same thing that I I remember saying to myself when everything came out years ago about Mickelson having. Now, I would. I don't want to say a gambling problem. Maybe it is something to say right now. I don't want to diagnose somebody over, you know, media. But when he came, when he was talking publicly about all the times that he's gambled, right? I was like, that is a lot of money to have gambled um, on your own on your own sport. And I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. I, yeah. I, I, I'm having issues articulating my feelings because we see, you know, in the NFL, for example, the steep suspensions and, you know, players getting cut and things like that that come from gambling. Right. I feel like the PGA mm-hmm. is sort of a different animal mm-hmm. because, one, how high profile some of these golfers are. Right. And two, it's like a rating system almost. I'm not exactly mm. sure like how suspensions work, but mm. it it feels like that, like you were saying, like with the NFL, like they're like really cracking down, but also like the PGA without someone like Mickelson, that takes a toll on the PGA as well. Right. But you know what I also think is that are you thinking? Wait, well, let me ask the other question. So yeah. the tour without Mickelson, are you thinking back in 2012? Correct. Okay, because back then, like I would even, I would even argue that back then, I mean, the rivalry between him and Tiger Woods was, you know, one of the biggest rivalries in golf. I remember sitting there, you know, I'm not an avid golfer myself, but watching my dad watch golf on a weekend <laughs> and him falling asleep subsequently, but um, watching this and seeing that rivalry between these two players and. You're right. I think that at that time, the tour would have missed him as that 
you know, right. that, uh, that other rival to a Tiger Woods. And the tour has an interesting structure because they have, like, a board, mm. which is something that, like, they, like, you know, when Liv came out, they, like, called attention to the board saying, like, do we let them mm. in our tournaments? How do we change the rating systems now? Like, all these things. So they, they have this kind of board that might be this, like, source of making these big decisions, which mm. is different than, like, how other leagues function. Um, right. And I will want to say that Mickelson has said recently, you know, I've never been on the Ryder Cup. You know, I always enjoy it. Yeah. I have enjoyed a friendly wager on the course, but I would never undermine the integrity of the game. And he said, I've been opening about my open about my gambling addiction. Mm-hmm. And I've previously conveyed my remorse for that. Um, right. So it's, it's interesting that this is how all coming out now. He's how he's responding to it. But um because it is the talk of the golf world at the moment, they, the media have brought it up to golfers, other golfers in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, Rory, Rory McIlroy in particular, his response yeah. um, was a little snide, but he said at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it. So sassy, Roy. Mm-hmm. Rory. We love it. And then uh. Jordan Spieth was also asked and mm. According to an article, um, it appeared he might have said something humorous about the situation, but it looks like he kind of like uh, paused and re- and thought better of it. Right. It's it's interesting with though it's interesting with those athletes because you know the whole now that now that PGA and Live are going to be combining mm. um, the split between the PGA Tour athletes and the Live athletes. You know you can you can see it right here with yeah. Rory and Jordan being more on the. Um, the PGA side, and then sure. Mickelson, as we all know, being very, very heavily involved on the live side. I think you're really seeing that divide here, and the, these players they don't they don't like each other in a lot of no, things. No, it's of ways. they don't. It almost feels like the players that decided to go for live and offer those big contracts are like traitors in the eyes of like the PGA guys, like. Right. You didn't stay loyal. Mm-hmm. You went after the money. You went there. And now mm-hmm. this, like, merger, it's so interesting to see these, like, personalities and mm-hmm. and based on, on, like, the decisions and how it's been since Liv started. Yeah. Right. It's – I don't know. I think that, like, you're going to see them mm-hmm. and their personalities start to clash more as you see them come back together. And then mm-hmm. I think you're going to see those PG, PGA Tour athletes really talk. Really, I don't think they'll talk about it as much because I think that golf and especially PGA golf is very much like don't chatter to the media type but of thing. So, what? Yeah, but end up. Yeah, but they do end up yeah. chattering. Um, <laughs> but I think that like you're not going to see them be as as brash as you've seen Rory McIlroy be just because of how the PGA Tour is. They kind of rein that in. Um, I don't think they want to bring any negative spotlight to themselves now. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. As you had mentioned before, um, the NFL has also had a wave of recent gambling yes. situations. Mm-hmm. The NFL has suspended 10 players for gambling over the past two years. Calvin Ridley was sort of the first in this wave. Um, yeah. He has had the most serious suspension so far because he bet on NFL games. At the time, he was with the Falcons. He didn't bet on Falcons game, but he did bet on NFL games, which is strictly prohibited. He is now finally coming back 
to the field after nearly two Mm. years off the field. Because if you recall, he stepped away from the Falcons toward the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. a couple years ago for mental health issues. He came back and then it was found out that he had gambled on some NFL games and Mm -hmm. they uh, handed him this one-year suspension. Mm -hmm. And recently, as recent as June, um, even more uh, allegations have come out about uh, certain players gambling. And I believe they're gambling on other sports, not the NFL, because Mm -hmm. their suspensions have been a little bit more lenient than Ridley's. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that's really interesting because, like, what do you think from an integrity of the game standpoint, like betting on the NFL games? So I will say that when I was a scout, my contract was built this way too. Like, they don't right. – like, also, I had this clause in my contract that I could not – like, this, the gambling po- – the NFL gambling policy applies to football side, I believe business side as well. So – Mm-hmm. And that, that gambling sense. policy is – it, it says that anyone in the NFL cannot engage in any form of gambling in any team or league facility or venue, and betting on the NFL is strictly prohibited. So um, I think, one, betting on NFL games should be strictly prohibited. I think it does – it is mm-hmm. a big problem with the integrity of the game. I don't th- – I mean, in any sport – it's problematic. You should not be betting on your own sport. There's too much tied to that. Mm -hmm. You go back to one of the biggest scandals of all time, the Black Sox, which was the Chicago White Sox, and then they were betting on games. They were involved in gambling, and they were throwing games. It was one of the biggest scandals, still to this day, one of the biggest scandals ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of these guys who were incredible, incredible athletes, like Shoeless Joe Jackson, may not ever make the whole fame. So because of it, yeah. Exactly. And like it is so I think that it really I mean just think about it. Like if you yourself were one part of someone's bet, right? Mm-hmm. You would obviously think about things differently. Two, if yeah, you absolutely. gambled on something that you were so closely involved in, like it wasn't necessarily your team, but maybe it was like your rival's team. Right. Like, that is obviously going to influence it. Or if you know people, like, hey, I made a bet on this game. Could you do this for me? Like, you could call your friend who's a player on that team, which is so – all these little details, just when you talk about it, it's so messed up. Right. No, exactly. It is. And it's it's something where, you know, you as an athlete should not be betting on your own – I would say like your own sport, right? Yeah. Because you're involved in it. You're doing it daily. You're you're way too close. It's like, you know, in like corporate America, it's baked into your HR policies Mm -hmm. and, you know, and you're trained about like, you know, stock and insider trading and all that type of stuff. It's a very similar concept. here, Right. And it's something that like, I just don't understand why they break it. Right. Um, I I would, it would be screamed from the rooftops if it's in your, it's, if it's in your, you know, the, what you have to follow in your contract. Right. So I think, I don't know what's going on here with this trend, frankly. I don't know. Okay. However, what I can try to deduce from what's going on is that one, gambling is becoming much more readily available. Right. You can do it from your phone. You can do it in many states. There are sports books mm-hmm. everywhere. It's very easy to do it. Every commercial between. Exactly. Between every game. Yeah. Second, these athletes, like you said, are surrounded by it, even though it's not directly Mm -hmm. 
impacting them in that moment. They're like you said, it's constantly advertisements. It's happening all around you. You're hearing news about it constantly. That's two, three. Let's remember. And I say this a lot about athletes. They're young. Like if you think about it, these guys are still 20 something year old guys. And the majority of some 20 something year old guys that I know, they gamble on sports events. They're, they're most sports events. And the thing is, what happens, and I say this a lot about NFL players, like, like it happen, it happens when they like, you know, do dumb stuff off the field and get hurt. And then right. like, it's like, you're worth a lot more than like the average 20 something year old guy. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it does not sink in. Right. And right. you end up making dumb decisions, just because you're influenced. Right. It can be really hard to go from, you know, I will say a casual civilian to a professional athlete in that case. And that's where, like, you know, not like I look at the players that have those lesser suspensions. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I feel like some of them um, are involved with you're placing a bet while you're on your um, your organization's um, facilities. But it's not on the sport itself. It's on something else. And that includes as simple as pressing accept on your phone. And I think that, as you're saying, for a lot of these athletes, they are so young, yeah. and it is hard to make that transition. And understand that no, you're a professional athlete now. You have to. Right. You have to, your decisions. Don't don't just influence you. Yes. Um, and I, think, I. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. I think that it's evident in the cases where they're betting on something while they're on the uh, organizations uh, in in the organization's facilities. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that this. It seems like this has become a trend. I mean, 10 players yeah. for gambling. No, it, really it seems like it. I think that if this continues to be an issue that teams will have to start putting some sort of, I don't know what it is, but like uh, gambling management or something like into their player development programs, like rookie programs, right. like when rookies come in for training camp, like they have like, rookie clock courses right and it teaches you how to like manage your money and all these things there's this whole new world for these rookies and getting housed and all these things and they have less money and they don't have to do with it and i feel like gambling management is gonna have to become part of that course so right. they understand the consequences because it is like you said it's too easy yes and i also want to highlight it's not just happening at like the nfl level like we're describing with the mm-hmm. there's the iowa state investigation yes. mm-hmm. and i think that that's really important to bring up too because i want to read the charges out um according to this article here because it's according to the criminal complaints that were filed last week um mm-hmm. i believe on the thursday it's in the players face the charge of tampering with records and aggravated misdemeanor and then for allegedly concealing their identity in electronic wagering activities. Mm. That indicates that you know you're doing you know something what you're, doing you're not supposed to be yes. doing. Yes, yeah. And it's it's where you're trying to hide it. Yeah. It, it's become this trend. And I, and I think that they just need – it needs to get into their head they can't be doing this. Even right. though they're surrounded by it. And it it's really unfortunate because, you know, Carly and I literally had a conversation like this last year in Atlantic City, seeing sports betting everywhere. Mm-hmm. And – they are surrounded by a daily. We are surrounded by a daily. Those players, their friends are surrounded by a daily. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, it's everywhere. And I think it's just a matter of like these athletes understanding like, mm-hmm. like don't throw your career away over X amount of dollar bet, you know, 
which I think they have to get into their head and that's like player Mm -hmm. development and coaching and that kind of stuff and also like this also goes back to like the character of the athletes that you're bringing in like how committed are they to football how serious are they or how committed Mm -hmm. are they to any sport to be honest like whatever sport that they're they're in um how committed are they what kind of willpower do they have that kind of thing Mm -hmm. right yeah going on here we're gonna have to monitor it and i think i think i did read something that the gambling policy is reviewed on an annual basis it is and i think that that's something that's important because as we know it's changing so rapidly yeah um they they have to stay on top of it right and they might start deciding to alter it based on like what's going on in the industry um i don't know the nfl is often very strict and doesn't mm-hmm. fold for what's right. going on around them. They often try to keep with their own. Um, but we will see what happens. But I just think all of this is really interesting. Um, and it is something that is, like we said, going, I think, to continue and become more prevalent as yes. betting continues to become legalized in more places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bet on yourself, ladies and gentlemen, but not with <laughs> money, but with your own heart, the power <laughs> of friendship. Thanks, you. That was really inspirational. I got you. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's all for us, guys. You guys know where to find us. Next one up pod at gmail.com. Next one up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.